This week's recording of the local news brought to you by the Equipment Service for the Blind and the Worcester News. Our service is free, but if you'd like to make a donation towards the running costs, or if you have some comments about our service, please leave a message in your wallet or give us a ring at Colin Chance House. I'm Sally and Ian, Rianne and Hannah are reading with me and Nigel is our sound engineer. We will feature the news from Friday the 19th of August until Thursday the 25th of August. We will start with the headline stories followed by some general news items, then some sporting updates and the obituaries for those who want to hear them will be at the end of the recording. The thought for the week is taken from Mark chapter 6 verses 53 to 56. When they had crossed over, they landed at Genesaret and anchored there. As soon as they had got out of the boat, people recognised Jesus. They ran throughout that whole whole region and carried, carried the sick on mats to wherever he, they heard he was. And wherever he went, into villages, town or countryside, they placed the sick in the marketplaces. They begged him to let them touch even the edge of his cloak, and all who touched him were healed. And now for the important telephone numbers. Here in Wilds Lane, we are on 01905-767766. Police non-emergency is 101. Crime Stoppers is 0800 one. Worcester Hub is 01905-765-765. Worcester Theatres are 01905-611-427. Malvern Theatres are on 01684-892277. And the out-of-hours medical services are 111. We've also been asked to read out uh, a note from Western Power, now to be called the National Grid. There is an emergency number, which is a 24-hour service to report uh, power cuts, 0800 and their priority service register is on 0800-032-8302, and this service is free. They will also provide information in Braille, large print and alternative languages. And now, a bit of what's on in the local area. The Battle of Worcester Society's annual parade and drumhead service will be held on Saturday, September the 3rd. All are welcome to join the parade and there is no charge. 
There will be a 17th century living history display in the lower hall of the Guild Hall from 10am. See what the soldiers ate and how the soldiers lived as they prepared for the battle. The parade will commence at 3.45pm from the Corn Market in Worcester with about 20 Civil War reenactors with flags and drums who will parade to the Guild Hall from 4pm to 5pm. The parade will be joined by a full mayoral party and members of the public who will leave the Guildhall at 5pm and parade along the High Street. This will be guided by walk leaders from the Commandery Walking for Health group. At 5.30pm, the Reverend Peter Hart will conduct a drumhead service in commemoration of the 3,200 soldiers who were killed during the Battle of Worcester. And in Malvern Theatres coming up, there's a, a musical, Dreamboats and Petticoats, bringing on back the good times. That's going to be on from Tuesday the 30th of August to Saturday the 3rd of September. Special guest star Mark Winter joins the cast in this feel-good show inspired by the latest release in the series of smash hit multi-million selling Dreamboat and Petticoat albums. And it features some of the greatest hit songs ever written from Roy Orbison, Eddie Cochrane, The Drifters, The Supremes, Connie Francis, The Walker Brothers and many, many more. On Thursday the 8th of September to Saturday the 10th of September at the Festival Theatre Malvern, the Gilbert and Sullivan Opera Company um, is back um, after an absence of three years with two Gilbert and Sullivan favourites, the Pirates of Penzance and Yolanthe. For this 2022 season, the company will also be joined by the celebrated Opera della Luna for two performances of HMS Pinafore. And that's Thursday the 8th of September to Saturday the 10th. And um, today the sunrise is at 6.06am and sunset is 8.14pm. And now I'll start the headline news starting on Friday, August the 19th. I've come back from the dead. A miracle woman came back from the dead thanks to a care home's guardian angels and a cure of Guinness and raw eggs. Maggie Ives was so ill at the time she does not even remember coming into Henwick Grange care home in Hallow Road, Worcester. When she arrived, her family was preparing for her funeral and the staff feared the worst. Now the irrepressible Mrs Ives is loving life again after a transformation which has confounded medics and astonished care home staff. The 78-year-old former nurse who worked at the near former Worcester Infirmary in Castle Street for 15 years describes herself as a medical miracle, although staff point to her natural fighting spirit. She is battling chronic kidney disease, Parkinson's and cardiovascular disease. Mrs Ives came into the home for palliative care and said, Subby, the lady who admitted me, said her goodbyes to me that night. She did not expect to see me in the morning. I'm a medical miracle. I feel like I've come back from the dead. Sitting in the garden of the home, she now has a tan and her hair has returned to its natural blonde colour. The Madrasfield-born mum was living in Barnard's Green near Malvern when she developed the painful bone infection, osteomyelitis, after breaking her pelvis. Mrs Ives, who has been smoking for 65 years, said, I had 133 different antibiotics by drip. I didn't even know where I was. 
I don't remember the ambulance man coming and taking me away or anything. I can't even tell you what hospital I was in. All I can tell you is I was in there 22 weeks. I kept coming out and going, coming and going, slipping in and out of consciousness. I was hallucinating. I was at end of life. My brother and sister were called in so they could register my death and go to the undertaker. When asked the secret to her survival, she cited the phenomenal care she received from the care home staff from Bond Care. Mrs Ives, a former barmaid at the Horn and Trumpet in the city centre, added, I'm a great believer in raw eggs and Guinness. I swear by it. You don't even taste the eggs at all. You just swallow them down. I've been doing that quite a long time. Susan Mitchell, also known as Subby, a nurse assistant and acting deputy manager, said, She was end of life. She just improved and improved. She is so strong, I'm impressed by her spirit. Mrs Ives, who turned 79 this September, was quick to praise the staff. She said, I cannot fault the staff here, from the laundry lady to the cleaners, and from the carers to the management. Whatever food I want, I order it. If I want scampi every day, I have scampi every day. They're all very kind. I'm even walking again now. I haven't walked for two years. I'm staying here till they kick me out. They are angels to me. Moving on to the headline story for Saturday and Sunday, August the 20th and 21st. No prison term for dog attack. A man came close to being jailed after the dog he was looking after bit a seven-year-old girl's face. James Palmer of Dent Close, Worcester, who had previously admitted being the owner-stroke person in charge of a dangerously out-of-control dog, walked into Worcester Magistrates Court knowing he could go to jail. The Rottweiler, named Rocky, leapt at the victim and latched onto her cheek during the attack outside her home in Dent Close, Worcester, on April the 11th last year, leaving her with life-changing injuries. Magistrates ordered it to be put down. Summerine Asfar, prosecuting, said the child had gone over to try to stroke the dog, but the Rottweiler suddenly lunged at her jawline. There was a call from her mother that a dog was attacking her child, Miss Asfar said. She was taken to the A&E. There was flesh hanging from her face. She has had surgery. She is going to have a scar on her face for the rest of her life. The prosecutor said the dog was not muzzled at the time of the attack, despite having been muzzle trained. Miss Asfar said, The dog can become aggressive. If he is not muzzled, this can be a repeated incident. She added, when the dog was seized by police, it was unwell and was suffering from malnutrition. Will Harrison, defending the 31-year-old, said Palmer's brother owned the dog, but Palmer had been looking after it for a year and accepted he was in charge when the dog attacked the girl. The solicitor said Palmer had been upset at what happened and suffered mentally from the media attention the case had attracted. Mr Harrison said, not only that, but in July this year he was admitted to hospital with a collapsed lung. He is signed off work. Mr Harrison said a report from a dog expert identified two plausible explanations. 
Either Rocky had felt threatened and reacted, or that children had ice creams and the dog had tried to bite one and caught the victim's face. There was no sustained attack, it was a lunge, Mr Harrison said. Ultimately, the report concludes, if properly managed, the dog isn't a danger. Mr Harrison added Palmer's brother had paid for a dog expert to assess the dog as he did not want it put down and wanted Rocky returned to him. Chairman of the Magistrates' Bench, Charles Townsend, said, I can't state clearly enough how serious the injury was. She will be permanently scarred. Mr Townsend said they had considered the lack of control measures in an incident which could have been foreseen and the welfare of the dog when seized. The chairman announced Palmer would be jailed for six months, but it would be suspended for a year. He said magistrates had decided to order the dog be destroyed, explaining they had to assess whether Palmer's brother was a fit and proper person. We know nothing about your brother. He hasn't attended court, the chairman said. The chairman said they were ordering the girl should receive £1,500 compensation for the distress caused in the horrendous attack. Magistrates also ordered Palmer to pay £2,500 towards the bill of keeping the dog in kennels, adding, I imagine you will need to talk to your brother. Palmer was told to pay £128 victim surcharge and £185 costs. Magistrates accepted an offer from Palmer to pay the total £4,313 at a rate of £40 per month. In an exclusive interview with the family in May, the mum of the victim, who is now nine, told the Worcester News it was lucky the dog had let go of her daughter's face. And on Monday the 22nd of August, the headline was Pulling Plug to Cut Bills. A Worcester sixth form may have to cut courses next year as it faces a 300% hike in its energy bills. Students at Christopher Whitehead Language College enjoyed a fabulous set of A-level results this year, according to head teacher Neil Morris. But he is worried that next year won't be the same as rising costs could force the school to cut courses. We're facing a 300% hike in our electric and heating bills that's going to cost us £120,000, he said. I'm worried because I feel like this is the last time I'm going to be able to do this because we're going to have to cut courses and just won't have the capacity. We've just been left as head teachers to get on with it. And when I hear people talking about three or four day weeks, I can sympathise with it. I've been going around this morning turning off the lights. Teachers across the country are due to get a pay increase in September. But Mr Morris said he doesn't know where the money is supposed to come from. There is no money for pay increases. We can't keep going on like this, he said. We offer 25 different courses at the moment, but how? But for how long? 
where are the future paramedics, plumbers and engineers going to come from if we have to start cutting courses because we have to cut back on staffing? The National Health Service and the Education Service are in real crisis and it's because of a lack of funding. In 21 years, this is the most worried I've been. We can't keep stagnating while we wait for the end of COVID, the end of Brexit, whatever it is. It doesn't help me pay the bills. If you're serious about levelling up, you have to invest in education. This is a real pivotal moment for the country and they have to grasp the nettle. Mr Morris said the cost of living crisis is also affecting students at the college. Many of them have been working 30 or 40 hours a week while doing A-levels, which are hard, he said. They are incredibly resilient. But what I will never know is how many never came to sixth form because they felt they had to go and get a job. On Tuesday, August the 23rd, the headline was Save Cecil's Legacy. England centre and Worcester Warriors Ollie Lawrence is the first player from the club to speak out regarding the ongoing uncertainty surrounding the club's financial situation. The club's accounts are currently frozen due to the winding up petition issued by HMRC last week over an unpaid tax bill. The England Centre fears the legacy created by Cecil Duckworth CBE is close to being tarnished. Owners Colin Goldring and Jason Whittingham said they are working through a number of options with advisers. Mr Lawrence, 22, said, Before anyone decides to state or complain that I'm slating the reputation of the people that pay our wages, I'm really not. They invested in the club and tried to create change, so I can't fault that. But Cecil Duckworth created a legacy for this club, and that is close to being tarnished currently. There just comes a point where people's careers, livelihoods and families are being affected, which I believe that should be answered for. He continued, I have nothing but respect for the whole players and staff for continuing to pitch up every day with all this uncertainty. The rumour mill will continue, but it's above us now as to what happens. But for now, we'll crack on as a team and wait to see what unfolds. The club statement said, There has been much speculation and rumour circulating in the media and among our supporters about the future of Worcester Warriors. Over the past week, a lot of work has been done away from the media spotlight to try to navigate the club through the challenges that we currently face. That work continues. Discussions are ongoing and we are reviewing the options available to the club. We continue to work closely with HMRC, Premiership Rugby, the RFU and DCMS to find the best solution to the situation. We are very grateful for the support these organisations have shown to the club. We are now working through a number of options with our advisers. These include solutions for keeping rugby at six ways and we will communicate further as soon as a decision has been finalised. We are grateful to our staff, supporters, partners, sponsors and suppliers for their commitment, loyalty and support during what has been a difficult period for all involved in the club. We also greatly appreciate the messages of concern and support that we have received from across the rugby world and the wider sporting community. 
Wednesday, August the 24th. Move or buy earplugs. An elderly disabled couple says their lives are being made a living hell by a noisy neighbour, but police told them to move house or buy earplugs. John Taylor, 74, lives in a semi-detached bungalow in Newtown Road, Worcester, with his 80-year-old wife, Hilary. It is a living hell, said the great-grandfather, who has complained to his MP, West Mercia Police and Regulatory Services. Mr Taylor, who has suffered several strokes and heart attacks, says the noise problems have been going on for the last four years, beginning with building work at next door's bungalow. He says they have since been disturbed by loud music, laughing, noise from his neighbour's friends and a dog which barks and howls at all hours of the day and night. Michael Reynolds, who lives next door to the couple, denies he is the cause of the problems and insists the only noise he has made was from building work shortly after he moved in. Mr Taylor, a former wheel tapper who performed safety checks on trains at Shrub Hill, said he and his wife often have to sleep on tiny sofas to avoid the noise in the bedroom, even though his wife suffers from rheumatoid arthritis, osteoarthritis and a crooked spine. Meanwhile, he continues to suffer from angina and had two stents fitted eight or nine years ago and believes he could die if the stress continues. Mr Taylor, who has lived with his wife at the bungalow they own for the last nine years, believes he has called West Mercia police around 50 times but feels that he's been fobbed off. There's been hammering at all times of the day and night. We have phoned the police on several occasions. We have phoned them at 1am or 2am about the noise. We had two community officers come round, he said. One gave us two bits of advice. Buy earplugs or move house. Sell the bungalow. But why should I sell my home? A spokesman for Worcester MP, Robin Walker, said he could not compel West Mercia Police or the Worcestershire Regulatory Services to take any course of action, but was able to ask them to review the issues raised. In the meantime, we encourage you to continue reporting any antisocial behaviour or noise nuisance that occurs to both organisations, he said. Mr Taylor said, I kept a big file of everything that was going on. They regulatory services, were going to install some equipment to record the noises. I sent them a pile of stuff. But then the guy who was dealing with it left and they lost all the paperwork. Nobody did anything about it at all. Mr Reynolds, 48, said his building work finished a long time ago and his daughter had now moved out about a month ago. Mr Reynolds said he has sent the police around two or three times. They have been lovely. When I first moved in, I did a bit of a lot of building. It's just started getting silly. You can carry on your building until 11pm, but I never did it that late. I tried to smooth it over with them. He kept coming round all the time. Mr Reynolds said that was throughout the day he was normally at work. Inspector Fergus Green from Worcester Safer Neighbourhood team said, We are aware of the complaints made by Mr Taylor. He has repeatedly reported noisy neighbours, which, as frustrating as it may be, is not a police matter. We do understand these issues can cause distress and there are agencies who can help. We are aware that the reports have been passed on to Worcester Regulatory Services. A spokesman for Worcester City Council said, 
our regulatory services team have investigated several complaints about noise in Newtown Road since September 2020. Our community safety team are now investigating complaints of antisocial behaviour in the area and consulting with the police. Thursday, August the 25th. Pubs licence under threat. A pub could be forced to give up its late-night licence in a row with neighbours over noise and loutish behaviour. The Portobello Inn in Bransford Road is in danger of losing its licence after a group of fed-up residents complained to Worcester City Council demanding an investigation. Residents say they have had to endure months of constant shouting, screaming and swearing from patrons as well as fighting, vomiting, littering and urinating in the street. However, other neighbours have defended the pub, saying the allegations are exaggerated and bogus and the pub's supporters claim they have never experienced problems with late-night noise from the pub, calling it a great community asset. Marston's did not respond to a request for comment and designated premises supervisor Ruth Yafai declined to comment. Several neighbours in Bransford Road have called for the pub's music and late-night licence to be revoked, claiming the once quiet and respectful neighbourhood pub has become a hub of antisocial behaviour and very loud music where anything goes. One disgruntled and upset resident in Bransford Road claims the late-night noise from the pub has become so bad that they have been forced to sleep with earplugs and install triple-glazed windows. Since June last year, we have had to put up with the noise, but also intimidating groups, vomit, urination and bottles in the street, and on one night a mass brawl where the police had to be called, the neighbour said. This is a quiet suburb of Worcester, not a city centre. Another said the Portobello Inn was always a respected pub and an asset to the community. However, of recent times, it's now the thorn in all our sides. It seems since the change in management, it now attracts a less than civil customer base where this loutish behaviour is accepted. However, criticisms levelled against the pub are not one way, with several other residents in Bransford Road disputing the claims made by their neighbours and rubbishing the call for a review. One said, I feel that it would be extremely unfair to accept the biased negative evidence of such a small group of local residents without seeking the opinion of the many hundreds of other people who live near to and enjoy this pub. This pub has indeed been a public house for longer than any of the houses around it and closing it would not be beneficial to the area. West Mercia Police backed the call by neighbours for the licence to be reviewed after holding talks with Brewery Marstons and Miss Yafai in a bid to cut noise levels. The Forces Sergeant, Simon Hallam, said, It is evident from the information provided that there is a clear dispute between some local residents and the manager of these premises 
which requires resolution at the earliest opportunity. It is apparent that attempts to reach a sensible agreement have so far failed. The City Council's Licensing Subcommittee meets in the Guildhall from 10am on August the 30th. And now for a selection of other news items. A collapsing road in the middle of a busy city estate has been dubbed the Grand Canyon of Wrongswood by local councillors. The sinking section of Norwich Road in Worcester has been condemned by Wrongswood City councillors who have criticised the County Council for allowing the street to fall into a bad state. Worcestershire County Council said it closed the road on Monday for safety reasons and would be investigating the subsidence with Severn Trent Water. Councillor Simon Cronin, who represents the city's nunnery ward alongside Labour colleagues Councillor Basharat Ali and Councillor Pat Agar, said, This isn't a pothole. It isn't an inconvenience that will go away. This is a dangerous collapsed road which risks injuring people and damaging vehicles using it. Urgent action is needed to fill it now. It has to be the largest canyon-sized hole of any road in the county. It is at the heart of the estate, used by hundreds of cars each day, and local residents told us how they have tried to get it fixed, but without any response from the county council. It isn't good enough. People don't pay their council tax to let our roads get into this state of disrepair. What's worse, when a neighbouring road was closed, they diverted all traffic along Norwich Road, including HGVs. They have simply made the situation even worse. I can't believe they didn't think this through. There can be only two reasons for the lack of action. Either they don't give a damn about residents in Wrongswood, or they are trying to attract tourists into the area to see our version of the Grand Canyon. A spokesperson for Worcestershire County Council said, following reports of the road subsiding, we undertook some temporary safety repairs earlier this year and referred the matter to Seven Trent Water for investigation, as it is possible there may be an issue with the sewer and sewer underneath the road. We have re-inspected the area today, this is August 22nd, after reports of the area worsening and have closed part of the road as a safety precaution. We will be investigating further with the help of our Seven Trent colleagues. More than 15,000 people turned out to enjoy all the fun and festivities at this year's hugely successful Worcester show. Despite the blazing temperatures, visitors, young and old, kept cool with ice creams, cold drinks and sun hats as they enjoyed everything the show had to offer, from live entertainment to a wealth of stalls and sideshows. The day's competitions showcased a wide variety of talent, including baked goods and jams, to handcrafted garments and artwork, not to mention an outstanding selection of fruit, flowers and vegetables from local gardeners. There were more than 700 entries for the varied classes. 
Prizes were presented by the Mayor of Worcester, Councillor Adrian Gregson, and the Mayoress, Rachel Hall. Refreshment stalls offered everything from street food to pizza and an activity area included music, arts and crafts groups and representatives from Institute of Physics and the Institute of Engineering and Technology. For the first time, there was also a separate music area giving local bands such as Sponge and Split Second the chance to perform on the same stage Tom Jones appeared on the night before. Staff from the Tudor House and historical reenactors dressed in costume for the event despite the heat. The Melamarkey was a riot of colour, carnival and festival fun, and the sports zone offered taster sessions of a wide variety of different sports. This year's Worcester show was sponsored by Worcester Bid, Chin Badger, Worcester Timber Products and the Marquee Company. Ian Hilton Turvey of the Friends of Worcester Show said it was a fantastic day and the feedback we have had proves that the village show in a city still has a great vibe and is an excellent day out for all the family. The leader of the City Council has announced he will resign if accepted for a new police role. Councillor Mark Bayliss, who has been leader of the Worcester City Council in various capacities for the last five years, has vowed to walk away from the top role if he is appointed the new Deputy Police and Crime Commissioner for West Mercia. The current City Council leader has said that if his appointment is confirmed, he will still remain in his role as Cabinet Member for Economy and Skills at Worcestershire County Council. West Mercia Police and Crime Commissioner John Campion revealed Councillor Bayliss as his preferred candidate on Tuesday, August the 23rd. Confirming his intention to step down on Twitter, Councillor Bayliss said, Happy to state that if confirmed in post as DPCC, I will be retiring as joint leader to be able to devote the time necessary. I've had a fantastic nearly five years leading our wonderful city and working with residents and businesses. Councillor Bayliss was reappointed joint leader of the City Council after May's local elections, but has been serving in the role solo after the Council's Labour councillors refused to nominate a co-leader during a crunch vote in the Guildhall. The potential appointment will be discussed at the next meeting of the West Mercia Police and Crime Panel on September the 7th. West Mercia Police and Crime Commissioner John Campion said, Mark brings a wealth of experience from two decades of working for the public sector. He has a strong track record of standing up for his community and I look forward to commending him to the panel next month. Councillor Bayliss added, I am delighted to have been chosen as the preferred candidate for the role of Deputy PCC. I look forward to supporting John in delivering his Safer West Mercia plan and contributing to making West Mercia safer. I'm also looking forward to working with communities, West Mercia Police and other partners. If approved, Councillor Bayliss would replace fellow Conservative County Councillor Tracy Onslow, who stepped down from the role in May after six years to take on the role of Cabinet Member for Education. Worcester is among one of the top ten UK cities for a staycation. According to a recent survey, survey by which Worcester is number seven in the top ten list for medium cities and towns to visit for a staycation. Councillor Lucy Hodgson, chair of Worcester City Council's Place and Economic Development Committee, 
outlined an unusual reason that we have seen an increase in tourists this year. She said that Worcester is benefiting from a rise in popularity of experimental accommodation, such as narrow boats, staying in yurts, or arriving with a train experience company as part of a longer journey. Councillor Hodgson added, It's fantastic to see Worcester doing so well in Witch's survey, and it reflects the fact that our city is an increasingly popular destination for tourists, both from the UK and overseas. Accommodation providers in the city, especially those offering self-catering, have been very busy throughout this summer and we are seeing a lot of international visitors. Worcester City Council works closely with partners including Worcester BID, Seven Arts and the County Council to promote the city as a tourist destination and in recent years we have developed the Visit Worcester brand and secured the city's presence on the DSC VR smartphone app that gives visitors all the information they need at their fingertips. Our city's excellent programme of events helps raise its profile across the year. 2022 has been particularly strong, with thousands of people enjoying the Worcester Show, Elgar Festival, the Carnival, Tom Jones at Pitchcroft, the popular monthly high street markets, Light Night Worcester, and much more besides. And the great news is that there's still plenty to come in 2022, including next month's Worcester Music Festival and Worcester Paint Festival. All this has led to an increase in demand at the Tourist Information Centre based at the Guildhall, so we are now for the first time opening it on Sundays over the summer, a move that is proving to be very popular. Cambridge topped the list ahead of Canterbury, Winchester, Chester, Harrogate and Oxford, with Chichester, Dundee and Norwich completing the top ten. A severely disabled man is embarking on a gruelling 500-mile cycle for charity. Chris Danen of Langdale Drive, Wonden, is taking on his third charity cycle in 2022, this time supporting Young Lives versus Cancer, leaving Worcester this morning. Mr. Danen, who severely injured his right leg in a motorcycle accident, only started cycling properly in August last year. He said, I struggled to walk and it was progressively getting worse and worse over time. I've badly damaged legs and severe helicobacter pylori alongside regular hypoglycemic attacks. My doctor told me I needed to start doing some exercise, so I started on the bike just doing small amounts and building it up. Mr. Danen's symptoms also include drop foot, which is a general term for difficulty lifting the front part of the foot, and turf toe, which results in pain, swelling and limited joint movement at the base of one big toe. He said, I train on a mountain bike, which is a bit heavier and allows me to build up my strength. By the time I start my cycle, I will be on a road bike, which will be a bit lighter for the journey. This is now my third charity cycle this year and I was looking for a worthy charity to support for, for a while. 
Young Lives versus Cancer is a great charity to support, so I'm looking forward to it. The journey will take him from home to Stockport, Stockport to Scarborough, Scarborough to Skegness, Skegness to Coventry. They're all 100 plus miles and then Coventry to home at 41 miles. Mr. Danen has previously supported Acorn's Children's Hospice and Cerebra. The fundraising campaign has already raised £220, with the end goal being £700. He was setting off from Langdale Drive between 6.30am and 7am. And to donate, visit Just Giving and search Mr. Danen's name. And that is spelled D-E-I. G-N-A-N. Mystery surrounds the closure of a city fish and chip shop once run by a larger-than-life local character and now boarded up. Wooden boards completely covered the frontage of Lowismore Fish Bar in Lowismore, Worcester. They say the shop was closed for a few weeks before the boards were installed. No explanation is given by way of a notice on the fish and chip shop itself or on the shop's website or Facebook page. Efforts have been made by the Worcester News to contact the business to find out more. The fish and chip shop is described on its own website as a long-standing family takeaway that specialises in fish, burgers and kebabs. Previously, the business was run by local character, honky George Fletcher, who had the shop for more than 50 years until he retired in 1985. Worcester News stalwart writer Mike Price described how Mr Fletcher was given the nickname as a lad when he delivered bread at night and would drive round the city streets shouting honk 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 because his van hadn't got a horn. Mr Price wrote Honky Fletcher was so well known he is probably the only person ever to have had an anti-obituary carried in this paper. That happened when he went into hospital for a serious operation and a well-meaning friend reported him dead. The news soon spread like wildfire, leading his wife to take out a notice in the paper to say that, in fact, her husband was recovering well, while another in his chippy window said simply, Honky's OK. One woman from a local business, who did not wish to be identified, said, I don't know what is going on. It's normally a busy fish shop. They did deliveries. It seemed to be always busy. The business earned a five-star food hygiene rating when it was inspected on March the 10th by Worcestershire Regulatory Services. The owners of Worcester Warriors sold the club's Six Ways car park to themselves for just £50,000 the day after being hit by legal action over unpaid taxes. Warriors owners Colin Goldring and Jason Whittingham made the purchase on August the 17th as the future of the club was in disarray over a multi-million pound unpaid tax bill. In a separate deal in June, the club's training pitches were also sold to a newly created real estate company called Worcester Capital Investments Limited, of which Goldring and Whittingham are both directors, for £350,000. The Six Ways site off the M5 in Worcester, including the car park and training facilities, had been independently valued at almost £17 million. 
The city's premiership rugby club is being threatened with administration over its outstanding tax bill, which is believed to be as high as £6 million, after WRFC Trading Limited, the company running the club, was handed a winding-up petition by HMRC. The company's accounts for 2021, which should have been published by the end of June, are now overdue, but its books for 2020 showed it had still not paid £2.3 in taxes. The same accounts also described the planning potential for Six Ways as having significantly improved. The estimate includes Six Ways Stadium, which now belongs to MQ Property Limited, a company of which Goldring and Whittingham are both directors. Just one day after being hit by legal action, directors Colin Goldring and Jason Whittingham, who took over the club in December 2018, used MQ Property Limited to buy the freehold for the club's car parking using a loan from another company, Triangle Estate and Petroleum Limited. While not currently included in the winding-up petition, MQ Property Limited now owns the majority of the land the club facilities sit on. In recent months, Goldring and Whittingham have set up three new companies, including Six Ways Medical Limited, Six Ways Property Limited and Six Ways Stadium Limited. In a statement earlier this week, the Warriors owners said they were working through a number of options with advisers, including solutions for keeping rugby at Six Ways. A former Doctor Who star told Worcester magistrates the reason he had been speeding was that he had got lost following a BBC camera crew. Colin Baker appeared at Worcester Magistrates Court and made an unsuccessful plea to magistrates not to disqualify him. Baker, 79, admitted a charge of speeding exceeding 30 miles per hour on a restricted road. The court clerk said Baker had six penalty points on his record, with the stage actor replying, I have three. The court clerk said he had six from December 2018 and they had not expired if the latest offence had taken place on November 22nd, 2021. The clerk told magistrates Baker had been driving his Lexus at 58 miles per hour on the 30 mile an hour Legs Way in Madeley, Shropshire and faced a driving ban. The father of five took to the witness box, holding back tears as he argued his exceptional hardship, reasons for not being disqualified. Baker was asked what effect a driving ban would have. Quite a lot, the former casualty and Jonathan Creek actor replied. Because of what I do, I'm very conscious of how I drive. The actor explained he had been working in Telford, and was set to do some filming in Ironbridge the following day. I followed the BBC camera car, lost them on a roundabout, tried to catch up, and that's when I committed the offence, he said. I had no intention of speeding. Baker explained the reason he was caught out was the stretch of road had changed from the national speed limit to 40 miles an hour. Yes, it's a sob story you have probably heard a thousand times, But it's true, Baker said. I'm an actor. I work in theatre. I'm doing a play in October and November. He said he would be forced to turn work down if banned 
due to the difficulty getting to venues. Baker described how he relied financially on the work, saying, not working for me is not an option. Jane Burton, chairman of the magistrate's bench, told Baker the speed was nearly twice the limit and had not just been a few miles per hour over. The chairman banned Baker for 21 days. Baker was fined £480 and ordered to pay court costs of £95 and a victim surcharge of £34. Baker of Cadmore End, High Wycombe, Buckinghamshire, agreed to pay the full amount, £609, within 28 days. Baker played the sixth incarnation of the Doctor in the global hit BBC series and also appeared on I'm a Celebrity, Get Me Out of Here in 2021. Several students from Worcester Sixth Form found they had secured a place at their dream university after opening their A-level results yesterday. This would be Thursday last week. Students were welcomed back to their school with celebratory balloons and a selection of nibbles as they collected their A-level results. Parents were beaming over their children as they found out they had secured their chosen place at university and apprenticeships. Rock Mirsky, 17, said he had set his sights on Cambridge and admitted to feeling relieved when he received his A-level results. He said, It was my dream to get into Cambridge University. I've been thinking about it since primary school, so it's very satisfying. I feel relieved that I don't have to think about it anymore. His mum, Kasia Mirska, who is originally from Poland, said... I'm very happy and proud and slightly nervous to send him away. In my country, we start school at six or seven. I finished high school at 20 and he's already leaving at 18. Daniel Espiritu, 18, achieved four A-stars and earned a spot at Oxford University to study biochemistry. Mr. Espiritu said, I was pleasantly surprised. I was aiming for four A-stars, but once I went through the exams, I wasn't sure if I was going to get those grades. I was quite nervous. This is the first set of exams I've done. His dad, Dan, said, it was a bit ner- I, I was a bit nervous for him, but I'm extremely proud of all his hard work. Some students even turned up to results day in suits in order to mark the special occasion. Ben Andrews and his friends, who were all suited and booted, said they were pleased with the grades they had achieved. Their PE teacher, Wes Davis, received a special shout-out and has been penned as the best teacher in the world. Mr Andrews said, We thought we would look smart for the occasion. Thanks to Wes Davies, our PE teacher, is the best PE teacher in the world. I would not have got my grade if it wasn't for him. Emmanuel Adesola, who achieved four A-stars, said he also wanted to get into a top university and was delighted to be accepted by Cambridge University. He said, since I was little, I've always wanted to to go to either Oxford or Cambridge, but I've always geared a little more towards Cambridge. I'm grateful to God, 
I prayed before and after my exams, and I'm so happy that my hard work paid off. My parents are so proud and happy. In the future, I want to work for a top tech company or make my own software and start my own company. Ed Senior, principal, said, I'm immensely proud of what our students have achieved this year. Their excellent results in both A-level and applied subjects reflect their hard work, commitment and ability. Our students, like others across the country, have faced and, and overcome unprecedented challenges over the last two years to complete their studies and secure university places, apprenticeships or employment. Radio Wyvern is to return to the airwaves of Worcestershire following the rebranding of a popular local station. Youthcom Radio will rebrand itself Radio Wyvern from October. The popular local station will take over the Youthcom radio transmitters and broadcast to the two counties on FM and DAB Digital Radio. The idea of Radio Wyvern was born 42 years ago when local musical producer Muff Murfin had an idea whilst working in the former Russell and Doral department store in Worcester's High Street. Determined that Worcester needed a local radio station, he got together with a, lo- a group of local businessmen and two years later, on October the 4th, 1982, Muff and local DJ Sammy Southall were part of the team that launched one of the UK's first local radio stations. The station was later taken over and in 2012 was rebranded Free Radio. Later, the Worcester studios closed and output was moved to studios in Manchester. But now Mr Murfin has teamed up with Sammy Southall and ex-Wyvern presenter Paul Ellery to again launch Radio Wyvern to the airwaves of Herefordshire and Worcestershire. The new station will take to the airwaves from October the 4th, the 40th anniversary of when Wyvern first broadcast live to the two counties. Paul Ellery will be the programme director of the new station. The new Wyvern will be a full-service local station, employing local staff again in the spirit of the original station, he said. The whole team are really excited about the relaunch on what would have been Wyvern's 40th birthday. The clean-up has begun after Flytip has dumped piles of rubbish at a beauty spot popular with dog walkers. Perrywood Local Nature Reserve near Ronxwood is used by dog walkers, school children and families, but is also a hotspot for fly-tippers and antisocial behaviour. Fly-tipping has been an ongoing issue in the Ronxwood area, but Basharat Ali, councillor for Nunnery Ward, said he wants to crack down on those who dump rubbish at the beauty spot. Councillor Ali said he has sorted the issue of fly-tipping, but now has a plan to prevent fly-tippers in the future. A team from Worcester City Council cleared up the sofas and mattresses that had been photographed in the area earlier this month. He said, Litter has been picked up, it is all sorted and I have informed the residents and they are very happy. We need to have a plan so people don't dump rubbish. I know people don't have skips available, but we need to set the example and a temporary solution would be to put more skips out in the area. Councillor Ali said he wants to highlight the impact fly-tipping can have in his new campaign. We do go door-to-door when we're campaigning, he said. We can add local issues and talk about that. 
The councillor said he has tried to go door to door in, in the past and said every time I knock on the door people say it's not them. There are 7,000 people in Nunnery Ward. It's not all 7,000 people living there. It is more or less 50 people. How do we teach them? A dog walker took pictures of dumped rubbish at the nature reserve, which has existed in some form since Anglo-Saxon times. One resident reported car batteries, household waste, alcohol bottles and garden waste dumped in the woods on a recent walk. The semi-natural ancient woodland usually attracts wildlife including buzzards, jays and speckled wood butterflies. However, popular trails through the woods are becoming almost unwalkable. Residents have raised concerns about the undergrowth erosion on the footpath that is commonly used by schoolchildren and dog walkers. In the area, large dead trees have fallen over popular walking routes and dog poo has been covered, has often covered the routes. A University of Worcester lecturer is to spend a night in a haunted Worcester building as part of wider research into experiences of the supernatural across the ages. Darren Aldrich, Professor of Early Modern History, will be staying for four hours overnight in the Commandery Museum. Despite being a supernatural sceptic, he is keen to understand people's interpretations of encounters with ghosts. Professor Aldrich said, Whatever happens on the night, I want to put it in the context of people's perceptions of the supernatural, past and present. I'm interested in how people make sense of spooky experiences and how this has changed over time. The commandery was chosen for its reputation as a supposedly haunted building. The building was formerly a monastic hospital that provided basic care for travellers during the Middle Ages. It became a private home in the 16th century was later the headquarters for the Royalist forces at the Battle of Worcester in 1651. In the 19th century, it was a school for the blind, and there have been reports of ghostly encounters relating to all of these periods. Professor Aldridge said, The belief in ghosts was discouraged in the 16th and 17th centuries as the Protestant Church of England associated with Roman Catholicism. So if people had spooky experiences, these were explained as mistakes or tricks of the mind, which was the most common explanation. All the spirits involved were reclassified as demons. I'll be talking about the various ways people have made sense of spooky encounters, hearing voices, seeing appearances of the dead, all of these things. It's been going on for a long time, and it's been understood in all sorts of different ways. The talk is also where bringing to life a strange and fascinating aspect of history. Professor Aldrich is a specialist in 16th and 17th century religious history with a particular interest in witchcraft and the devil, the supernatural and the religious context of the English civil wars. He will be giving a public talk about his own time alone at night in the commandery and other people's perceptions of ghostly encounters from the 17th century to the present in the commandery on September the 15th. To purchase the ticket for the talk, visit, Worcester, visit museumsworcestershire.org.uk forward slash events 
forward slash midnight. A man who is scared of snakes braved an encounter with a slippery customer to take pictures of a snake in his garden. Paul Harding shared two images and a video of a snake that he found in his garden to the Worcester News Camera Club. Mr Harding said that he believed the reptile was a female barred grass snake that could have been up to a metre long in size. In the video, the snake can be seen wrapping itself around a fountain, startling a small frog which jumps out of its way onto some nearby leaves. Mr Harding told members, I'm rather scared of snakes, so I gently encouraged it, hopefully towards the tree-lined pond beyond our fence. Fellow camera club member Jill Cutler said, I think I'd run a mile if I saw one in our bit of a garden. According to the RSPCA, the UK has three native species of snake. Adders are widespread but declining across the UK and the only venomous species. While grass snakes are widespread in England and Wales, including gardens and smooth snakes are are localised to southern English heaths. Adders have a zigzag pattern down their back, red eyes and a vertical pupil. They can also grow to around 70 centimetres. Grass snakes are typically olive in colour and have large eyes with rounded pupils. They are typically over a metre long. They also have a distinct collar behind their heads and are also the only native snake species to lay eggs. The smooth snake is the least widespread in the UK and is localised in heath habitats to the south of England. They only grow to around 55 centimetres in length and are a grey-brown colour with a dark stripe down the side of their face and a heart-shaped pattern on their head. A bubble tea shop is set to open a store in the city centre, according to new plans. The new cup bubble tea store would open in Worcester High Street in a unit left empty by bakery Greggs. An application has been submitted to Worcester City Council asking for permission to install signs and cups branding on the front of the shop. Cups said it offers a wide range of hot and iced milk and fruit tea drinks made using real fruit, organic milk, loose leaf tea and homemade syrups. Bubble tea is a Taiwanese drink which first appeared in the 1980s and is made by blending tea with milk, fruit and fruit juices, then adding tapioca pearls and shaking vigorously. Variations on the classic recipe would also be available, including vanilla, coconut, peach and mango milk teas and grapefruit and strawberry fruit teas. The traditional chewy tapioca balls can also be swapped for mango, passion fruit, kiwi, peach and blueberry popping bubbles. Cup launched in 2012 in Bristol and eventually expanded to London last year with stores now open across the country including Manchester, Cardiff, Slough, Leeds, Reading and Manchester. It would be the second shop to open on the city's high street in recent months following the arrival of the UK's biggest bubble tea chain, Mubu, which will be opening in the space left empty following the closure of number one currency exchange. Bakery chain 
Greggs, moved into a larger shop previously occupied by Pret-a-Manger at the end of last year, making the short jump from its long-standing high street home two doors away. Pret-a-Manger announced it would be permanently shutting its high street store in 2020 as part of more than 30 closures across the country. The sandwich and coffee chain blamed the closure on the Covid lockdown hitting trade, which resulted in sales plummeting by more than three quarters. Worcester's first Pret-a-Manger opened on the corner of St Swithin Street and Worcester High Street in 2017 in the building formerly occupied by Santander Bank. A dog which was left for dead after being hit by a car in back is back to his best after receiving life-saving surgery. George the Staffy, Cross Lurcher, was run over on the B4639 Cotswold Way in Worcester, leaving him with multiple broken bones in his leg. The driver of the car did not stop, and George could be seen limping around the busy road in Warnden before a kind passerby found him. Now, George has had some much-needed surgery and is living his best life, and owner Brian Payne couldn't be happier. George has had all surgery done and is walking fine again now back to his happy old self, he said. Six-year-old George ran from his home after being spooked when a nearby builder dropped some scaffolding. Mr Payne went looking for him before putting up an appeal on social media. He was then flooded with messages telling him his dog had been hit by a car and that the driver had driven off. Mr Payne was told by the vet that he had three options. To euthanise George amputate the leg or pay for an operation. As such, he set up a GoFundMe to help raise money towards the surgery which vets told him would cost £5,000. Mr Payne added, It's been a long and stressful process, but we finally got there. I didn't raise quite all the money, but managed to gather the rest and pay it all, so worked out amazing thanks to such amazing people around the country. In total, £2,290 was raised for George's surgery, with over 100 people making donations, many of whom were particularly shocked by the hit-and-run nature of the incident. Speaking shortly after it happened, Mr Payne said, They, the driver, should be ashamed of themselves. They have discarded his life like he is a broken toy. They didn't even have the human decency to take him to the nearest vet. A man from Worcester who was only given a 1% chance of survival at birth has celebrated his 21st birthday. Ross Anderson was born at just 28 weeks, weighing just 2 pounds 10 ounces, with doctors telling his mum Mandy he was unlikely to make it past childhood. Since then, he has defied the odds, marking his 21st birthday on August the 11th at home in Highland Road, Rainbow Hill. Throughout his life, Ross has overcome incredible adversity, including a wasting disease and a stroke. At the age of 11, then Tudor Grange pupil Ross was diagnosed with a muscle-wasting condition, myotonic dystrophy, which causes him to suffer weakness in the legs, struggle to swallow and have difficulty moving. He can also sleep between 12 to 14 hours a day due to excessive tiredness. Mum Mandy said she and the whole family were so proud of him, adding, he's faced so many challenges, 
but he doesn't let anything stop him. He's had a wasting disease and a stroke, but he just wants to be like any other 21-year-old, and he always comes back with a big smile on his face. He always bounces back from the setbacks he faces, and we're all so proud of him. To have gone through all that and make it to 21, we're just so proud of him. Mandy, who had suffered previous miscarriages, was told there was only a 1% chance of Ross's survival after she started losing amniotic fluid when she was 10 weeks pregnant and then again at 16 weeks. Doctors at Ronxwood and Birmingham City Hospitals warned the 36-year-old she was likely to miscarry. But Ross defied all medical expectations when he was born healthy, if early, stunning doctors by surviving. Mandy added, he had such a lovely birthday and all his friends came out to see him. It was a really nice time. A woman with numerous convictions for speeding, including three times last November, interrupted a magistrate to argue her driving was not of a poor standard. Chantal Cutland managed to dodge a driving ban after telling magistrates she cared for her elderly mother, but was warned she would not be able to use that as an excuse if she is caught speeding again. The 59-year-old of Lowell Street, Worcester, admitted a charge of exceeding the 50-mile-per-hour speed limit in contravention of a local traffic order, when she appeared at Worcester Magistrates Court, telling magistrates, I'm banged to rights. Andy Stevens, prosecuting, told the court at 9.34am on November 24th, Cutland drove a Hyundai on the A449 northbound between Ombersley and Crossway Green. The prosecutor said Cutland Cutland triggered a camera by travelling at 59 miles in a 50 mile per hour section. The court clerk explained to Cutland she already had nine points on her licence after being caught speeding three times last year in May and twice in November. He said due to the latest offending, Cutland faced a six months driving ban unless she was able to successfully persuade magistrates there were exceptional hardship reasons. Taking the witness box, Cutland gave three reasons as to why she shouldn't be banned. Her finances, voluntary work and looking after her elderly mother. Cutland said she was a self-employed auditor and 80% of places she visited for work were at commercial sites difficult to get to by public transport. Cutland said she volunteered for Here to Help charity and at vaccination clinics, saying if she was disqualified from driving, she would have to stop that. She said her main reason was her 82-year-old mother lived on the outskirts of Pershaw with a sporadic and unreliable bus service to get to her. Cutland explained her mother had had falls and other emergencies recently using her car to quickly get to her. Cutland added that if banned in an emergency, that would be a real problem. Sentencing her, Mark Armstrong, chairman of the magistrate's bench, said, Your driving last November was far below what one would expect. 
Cutland interrupted, saying it was all on the A449 road before Mr. Armstrong had to raise his voice over her, saying, Miss Cutland, four speeding offences and three in three weeks. Cutland was given three penalty points added to her licence, totting it up to 12, but the chairman said they were not giving her a ban. The death of three horses during one day of racing led to a protest outside the city's racecourse. Activist group Worcestershire Vegans and Veggies put up banners outside Worcester Racecourse to voice their concern over cruelty in horse racing. Three horses died on the course during races on Wednesday, August the 17th, which the group called a serious animal welfare issue. The regulatory authority for horse racing in Great Britain said it was saddened by the deaths. Max Burgess, spokesperson for Worcestershire Vegans and Veggies, said every year there is an increase in the number of horses that die on British racecourses, either over jumps or on the flats. It is becoming a serious animal welfare issue. The British Horse Racing Authority said the horses received first-class care throughout their lives. A British Horse Racing Authority spokesperson said everyone at the BHA was saddened by the fatal injuries sustained by three horses at Worcester last week and our thoughts are with all of those connected to the horses. The racing industry is built on respect and admiration for the thoroughbred and nobody will have been more deeply affected by those losses than the trainers, owners and stable staff who have provided the horses with first-class care throughout their lives. It is the role of the BHA and everyone in the sport to try to reduce the level of risk associated with the sport as much as possible and prevent any injuries that could have been avoided. As a result of British Racing's ongoing investment in safety and welfare, fatal injuries are uncommon. Over 99.5% of runners complete their races without incurring any long-term injury. Worcestershire Vegans and Veggies also demonstrated outside of Worcester Guildhall in July, opposing money going towards horse racing from Worcester City Council's bid to the Leveling Up Fund. The protesters could be seen with signs which read No Fun for Horses and Horses Die at Races, and an installation was in front of the protest which appeared to show a representation of a dead horse. The group also demonstrated in June. We're now going to uh, read a short selection of sporting articles, firstly returning to issues surrounding Worcester Warriors. Worcester Warriors players have shared a message of unity on social media amid the club's financial crisis. Worcester Warriors were issued with a winding-up petition by HMRC last week, which has led to widespread worry about the future of the club. Colin Goldring and Jason Whittingham, Worcester Warriors owners, said they were working through a number of options with advisers to navigate the club through their financial situation. On Twitter, Warriors players, coaches and fans have been sharing a simple message of together across Twitter with a picture of the team. Ollie Lawrence, Noah Hewitt, Kai Owen, Jack Owlett, Will Chudley, Alex Hurl, 
Finn Theobald Thomas, Billy Searle, Francois Venter, Gareth Simpson, Nick Easter, Perry Humphreys, Jamie Shilcock, Finn Smith, Ashley Beck, Jay Tyak, Graham Kitchener, Tom Howe and Joe Batley have all shared the message. Fans and former employees of the club have been sharing messages of support across social media. The family of Worcester Warriors former executive chairman and club legend Cecil Deckworth have released a statement following the news of the club's financial crisis. The statement read, The Duckworth family are very saddened by the recent news at Worcester Warriors. Cecil and others spent many years building up the rugby club and know he would be devastated by the events which are unfolding. Our thoughts are with the staff and players. Former Worcester Warriors director of rugby, Gary Gold, has urged the club owners to do the right thing in honour of Cecil Duckworth, CBE. He said, I am 100% behind this initiative. Do not allow this man's legacy to be decimated. He gave everything to this club and the fans. He was and still is an absolute legend of the Premiership rugby roots. The game owes it to Cecil Duckworth. We will, we will be updating you with more information about the situation at Worcester Warriors as it develops. And now for news on cricket. Glamorgan batter Sam Northeast produced a list A club record innings as his 177 not out proved decisive in their win over Worcestershire Rapids at New Road. Northeast and Billy Root. 113, put on 245, which was Glamorgan's highest against any opposition for the fourth wicket in List A cricket, as they racked up a big total of 337 for nine from their 50 overs. Joe Leach hit a spectacular 63, and there were half-centuries from Captain Jake Libby and Keeper Ben Cox, but it was not enough as the Rapids fell short by just 19 runs. It means Worcestershire finished the competition bottom of Group B, while holders Glamorgan failed to qualify for the quarter-finals due to Kent winning against Lancashire. The hosts got off to a good start as Leach removed Tom Bevan and Chris Cook in quick succession, but Kieran Carlson, 41 off 33 balls, put on 95 at a run at a ball with North East. North East reached his 50 in 68 balls, 100 in 114, and 150 off 137 seven during what was a batting masterclass. His knock included 22 fours and four sixes from just 148 deliveries. Root also, also moved up through the gears in style as he reached his century with three consecutive sixes and hit seven in total as part of a late blizzard of boundaries which saw 161 runs come off the last 12 overs. 
they eclipsed the previous fourth-wicket record stand of 234 set by Root himself and Chris Cook in Bristol three years previously. In reply, Worcestershire lost two early wickets to James Wagle, but gave a really good show of chasing their improbable target. Libby hit 58 of 59 balls and Leach gave the visitors a real scare with 63 of 36 balls before skying a catch to northeast of Joe Cook. Spinner Prem Siso Dia, 3 for 76, was expensive but took important wickets in the closing stages as Cox could not quite get his strike rate high enough to threaten an upset. Despite their best efforts, they came up short of their target and Captain Libby admitted the scoreboard flattered the Rapids slightly. The scoreboard flattered us a bit at the end. We were a bit off disappointed about how we finished with the ball and they got slightly too many runs from the situation we were in to start with, he said. The run chase wasn't a million miles off, but we didn't quite get the big scores we needed. Sam and Ruti took the game away from us. Fair play to them. It was a challenge today, but we've got young bowlers learning their trade and guys who haven't bowled death overs a lot. They're learning. I'm learning, and hopefully we can get better as a group. And finally, over to local football. The anticipated local clash between Malvern Town and Worcester Raiders is going ahead, with both managers keen to get the game on, despite the chaos surrounding Worcester Warriors. The two sides meet tonight... Um, which was Wednesday, August the 24th, um, for their FA Cup replay, with the game having appeared in doubt earlier this week, with the, the uncertainty surrounding the future of Six Ways Stadium. Despite the concern, the game is due to go ahead as planned, with Raiders boss Carl Gormley looking forward to the game. Looking back on the previous meeting between the two sides, he said, we will take them back to six ways. We will have another big crowd and we are confident we can turn them over. The first game felt like a bit of a defeat, to be honest, given the lead we had. But I am so proud of the lads for that performance. Where we have come from in the last couple of years, I could not be prouder. To be disappointed with a draw at a club like Malvern shows how far we have come. Raiders chairman Steve Harris confirmed to the Worcester News on Monday that the game will go ahead as scheduled. I would like to say a big thank you to all the staff at Six Ways who are helping us out on match day on Wednesday, said Harris. Under difficult circumstances, their commitment and loyalty to the club does not go unnoticed. The game will be a clash-only event and tickets will be available on the gate. Club staff at Warriors will be working as volunteers at the game as accounts at the rugby club are frozen. Raiders and Malvern will battle it out to reach the first round of qualifying where the winner will face Works Up Town away from home in the next round after the draw was made on Monday. Town co-manager Stephen Cleal said his side was buoyed by their performance in the first tie in which Malvern came from 3-1 down to earn a 3-all draw. He said, we know we need to play better and that we can play better. 
They are currently one of the teams right up there in terms of their league form, so it will be a difficult game, but there are no easy games. Still being in the hat is a nice thing. We know it will be hard, but we will be ready. And that is the end of our contribution for this week. Thank you for listening. The obituaries will follow the music, so it just remains for us to say, keep safe and until next time, goodbye. 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 And now for the obituaries. Brian Ackroyd passed peacefully on July the 24th. Funeral service to take place at Worcester Crematorium on Wednesday the 31st of August at 3.15. We kindly request no flowers or donations. Malcolm Darling died peacefully on the 27th of July. The funeral will take place at Clanes Church, Worcester, on Tuesday, August the 30th at 12 noon. 12 noon. Please make any donations to Site Concern Worcestershire. Desmond Norman John Kelly passed away on the 31st of July. The funeral will take place at Worcester Crematorium on Friday the 26th of August at 11.30am, followed by light refreshments at the Bull Inn, Fernhill Heath, WR38RS, Family flowers only, please. However, charitable donations can be made to St Richard's Hospice. All inquiries to AV Band Funeral Directors. Dorothy, known as Dot Davis, passed away peacefully on the 4th of August. Funeral service to take place at Worcester Crematorium on Tuesday the 30th of August at 1.45pm. Family flowers only, but donations, if so desired, will be gratefully received by Mind or Dial UK. All inquiries care of Co-op Funeral Care Worcester. Roy Charles Munn passed away on the 5th of August. The funeral will take place at Worcester Crematorium on Thursday the 1st of September at 10am. Not necessary to wear black. Family flowers only, please. However, charitable donations can be made to St Richard's Hospice. All inquiries to AV Band Funeral Directors. Josie Iris Perks passed away peacefully on the 6th of August. Funeral service to take place at Crown East Church on Tuesday the 6th of September at 1.15pm followed by a private cremation. Family flowers only, please, with donations to the British Heart Foundation, sent care of Bedwardine Funeral Services. Sheila Donald, known as Jew, passed away the 10th of August. Service to be held Wednesday the 31st of August at 3pm, North Wiltshire Crematorium. Further details via Johnson and Daltrey. Telephone 01793 851 Derek Gibbons passed away on August the 10th. Funeral service to take place at Worcester Crematorium on Thursday the 1st of September at 1pm. Family flowers only. Donations if desired to Kidney Research UK, care of Jackson Family Funeral Directors, Hanley Road, Upton-upon-Seven. 
Michael David Farmer passed away on the 15th of August. A service will be held at Worcester Crematorium on the 9th of September 2022 at 14.30. Family flowers only and donations to Air Ambulance and RNLI. Marina Lydia Richardson, known as Nina, passed away peacefully on August the 11th. Funeral service to take place at St John's Church, Worcester, on Thursday the 1st of September at 1pm. Donations, if desired, to Air Ambulance and St John's Church may be sent to care of Bedwardine Funeral Services. Anthony Walker, known as Tony, passed away on the 9th of August. Funeral service to take place at Crown East Church on Friday the 26th of August at 10.30am, followed by private family committal at the Vale Crematorium later in the day. Family flowers only, please, with donations to the RAF Benevolent Fund sent to Bedwardine Funeral Services at St John's, Worcester. Dorothy Taylor passed away on the 8th of August. Funeral service at Worcester Crematorium on Thursday the 1st of September at 11.30am. Family flowers only, please, but donations, if desired, for St Richard's Hospice may be left on the collection place at the crematorium or sent to E.J. Gummery and Son. And we send our thoughts and prayers to the family and friends of all those who are bereaved at this particularly difficult time. <laughs> 